everyone. Before we get started, we wanted to let you know about our venue consulting. We have broken up our offerings into four distinct needs, design, sales and client experience, marketing, and those all-important SOPs. You can take advantage of one or all of these tricky spots for your venue. If you want to learn more and get a few more details, head on over to hustleandgather.com to see how we can work together and reach your venue goals. All right, let's get to today's show. I like how beautiful this industry is. I like going to conferences and having my colleagues put on the best party and seeing all the beautiful outfits, right? Like you go to a history convention and it it really is all tweed and elbow patches and they don't know how to party. Welcome to Hustle and Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana. And I'm Courtney. And we are two sisters who have started multiple businesses together. And yes, it is as messy as you think, because we know that starting a business isn't easy. I mean, we've done it four times. And on this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey. And we love helping small businesses succeed. Whether that is through our venue consulting, speaking, or team training, we love to motivate others to take that really big leap. Or you could just use our misadventures to normalize the crazy that is being an entrepreneur. Because every entrepreneur makes mistakes. But we like to call those unsuccessful attempts around here. And we know it's just part of the process. And today we're learning from Christy Osborne. Christy Osborne is a proud data nerd. Her agency, Mountainside Media, specializes in data-driven marketing, advertising, and research. But she's more than just an analytics gal. Her passion is turning all that data into dollars for her clients. As a top event industry educator, Christy frequents the national speaker circuit and is a regular contributor to top industry publications, including NACE, WIPA, The Special Event, and of course, Cater Source. She is also a highly sought after podcast guest, and we are so excited to have her here. Christy, welcome to Hustle and Gather. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Before we get started into our questions, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what did you do before starting Mountainside Media and how you got to where you're at today? I was a marketer after graduating with a degree in history, a master's degree in history in 2008, when everything was just going sideways. And I was grateful that I had skills other than historical research to fall back on because I discovered very quickly that nobody needs a personal historian, but everybody needs a web developer. Developed websites, nobody came to them, got into marketing, trying to get traffic, and the rest is history. But the way I got into uh, data in particular is that I was working for the Tourism Bureau for my hometown in Mammoth Lakes, California, and we were spending taxpayer dollars, a lot of millions of dollars in taxpayer dollars to market this town. And what was going on was people had a lot of opinions about what I should be doing to market the destination online. And I was very irritated at being accosted in the grocery store and in the post office with people saying, you know what you should do on Facebook? And I would just be like, first of all, get away from me. I'm not working. And secondly, you're not a Facebook app, like get away from me. And so I ended up realizing that everybody has ideas. Like ideas are never the problem. Generating ideas is never the problem, even for the dumbest person in the world, right? Like everybody can generate ideas. The trick is, is to A, generate good ideas, which could be a matter of opinion, 
but I needed to figure out like, how do I take everybody's personal opinion out of this? How do I validate whether or not an idea is good? And I started getting into measurement and I, I did it very holistically and naturally at first. I tend to be numbers driven anyway, but somebody would say, you know, you should post more events on Facebook. And I didn't think events postings would work as well as just being social on social media. I don't know what I was thinking, but I would gamify it with the community members. And I'd say, well, let's set up a test. I'm going to do this for a week and do that for a week. And whoever gets the most engagement wins. And if I win, get away from me. like, <laughs> and I sound like so mean, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually not that mean, um, but I was getting a little salty after after some years dealing with that. And um, the rest is history. Like I got addicted to the game. And one of the things I like about Hustle and Gather and your whole philosophy about, you know, the messiness of running a business and the messiness of trying new things and the messiness of, you know, not really knowing everything you need to know in order to do something, but doing it anyway, that is at the heart of data. And I started to be delighted, even if I didn't quote unquote, win the contest, right? Like I used to be delighted and I still am when I'm wrong, because I I think, well, it takes the burden off of me for having a good idea, right? Like we everybody can generate ideas. We collect all the ideas. We figure out what we're going to test. And then the best idea wins. And when the best idea wins, everybody wins. And I don't have to worry about or be fearful about being smart or being dumb because we're just collecting ideas and testing them. So being a data nerd has been fundamentally liberating in that way. It allows me to fail fast. So how long did you do that, the working for the Tourism Bureau? I did that for a skosh under five years. And it's really hard when you live in a town of, you know, less than 10,000 permanent residents, everybody knows everybody and everybody's in everybody's business. And I need, I need a good break away from my business. When I Mm. shut down my laptop for the evening, I need to be me in a different way. I need to read my book and have my tea and take my dog for a walk. And, um, I just got burnt out constantly running into people who wanted to talk shop with me. So I left that position and went out on my own as a marketer and a a data or data person, because I loved the work. I just didn't love being on 24 hours a day. I just can't do that. No, I totally understand that. When I was a teacher, that was the worst thing in the world because yes. I lived close to the school I taught at. So I was at the same grocery store as the parents and the students. And it was terrifying when you saw a parent coming at you to ask your kid about some grade they got back or whatever. You're like, dude, like, I just want to get my bottle of wine and go home. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a teacher right now. Bottles like, of wine. Bottles. Yeah. <laughs> but it was very uh, disarming. Mm-hmm. And invasive. Yeah. Yes, invasive. That is so true. So you stepped a bit into the event industry with your Mountainside Bride blog. Tell us a little bit about that, like that kind of media and journalism. Like many people who get into the event industry, I got married and and loved, in particular, I like the creativity of this industry. I like how beautiful this industry is. 
I like going to conferences and having my colleagues put on the best party and seeing all the beautiful outfits, right? Like you go to a history convention and it, it really <laughs> is all tweed and elbow patches and they don't know how to party. So um, I love the industry. I started Mountainside Bride primarily because when I got married in 2009, dating myself here, I didn't find a lot of content out there that helped me to plan a successful wedding in the mountains. And there are some real weird quirks about the mountains. I'm sure the beach as well, but the mountains in particular, that if you don't know about them, they can really have your wedding become a disaster, right? Mm -hmm. So like, if you want to have an outdoor wedding in a meadow in the mountains, and you think you're going to have like tall centerpieces and taper candles underneath that clear tent, it's a recipe for disaster. All the bugs are going to be roasted under that clear tent in the high altitude sun and drop all over your tables. And it's going to be disgusting bugs and butterflies every with like dead. I love the butterfly release too in the mountains. And then they go under the tent and they all, it's all the dead butterflies all over. <laughs> and you don't, back then you didn't have any content around mm. that. You didn't have any content about, you know, making sure that your guests are acclimated at high altitude weddings or what to do if you get altitude sickness. You didn't have content around leave no trace and, and how not to destroy the wilderness if you're going to have some sort of like quasi backcountry wedding. And so I started Mountainside Bride in order to not only showcase mountain weddings, but to educate around some of these other issues in the mountains. So, and now Isle Society owns it and they publish beautiful, beautiful mountain <laughs> weddings. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that that's like, honestly, the start for a lot of people in the industry, it's trying to fill a hole or a yeah, need or something. Recognizing a hole. Yeah, that, it, that isn't, like something isn't there and you want to make it better because maybe there was a struggle for your own wedding or whatnot. But then what I love about this industry is that's how it gets started, but people never want to leave it because yeah. it is so much fun. And it is like such a great community. And it's a good reason to start. I, I think it's a good reason to start a business yeah. to, to fill a need that's not being addressed. I think the most successful businesses, you know, that's how they start. And if they can stay true to that and not be pulled in all of the directions where, you know, the gurus tell you, you should do this and you get a little itchy about your competition and you think that they're doing it better and you need to do it that way. And that's, that's fundamentally where I see the most people hit a plateau mm -hmm. is that they have, they have slowly, but surely backed away from that original vision and fulfilling that original need that they knew existed. And they got they get this idea in their head that the answer is like out there somewhere and they end up just looking generic and like everybody else and end up competing on price and freaking out about competition and not knowing why they can't market better and hitting a plateau. And oftentimes if they just go back to that original vision and leverage that they're, they're, they're in a better place than, than taking classes and, not that you shouldn't listen to podcasts and take classes. I mean, obviously, I'm <laughs> Absolutely, an educator you and I'm a guest on a podcast. But you should have a a core, an, an integral core, like literally integral. Integrity is, mm -hmm. you know, comes from that word. An integral core that is a touch point that you use to, you know, leverage all that information and education that you're getting 
and bring it back to your core and bring it back to your integrity and be like, this works, this, this is going to work for me. This isn't going to work for me. And it helps you be more discerning about what you're going to do and why, rather than just chasing after the next shiny thing or the next tactic that's going to get you all this traffic or your attract your ideal client or whatever. If you don't have that core, you're just going to be adrift and you're going to plateau and you're going to get frustrated in your business and not know how to fix it. I totally agree with that. I remember one time we were at this, um, we were doing like a pro bono event. Um, so we just uh, donated our services for a local juniors club. And we're at this venue and they didn't know we owned a venue and we were just chatting with them like, oh, what made you like get started? Like, why did you open this? And their response was very much like, because we can do it better because we look at this, we look at, we saw a venue in the area and we're like, oh, we could do this better. And um, it was really off-putting like <laughs> to me um, and they didn't know, you know, anything. They, they just knew I was a planner in the industry and and I was like, well, that's not really a hole in the industry because it's, it's just like every other barn event venue that you have out there, right? So I remember thinking like there was a point when we started the Bradford when we're like, okay, we we felt like there was a hole, like there wasn't this European vibe event or space to get married at, which was the main reason why we started it. But then really what it came down to, we started like getting into like our values and what is it that we want to be known for? It was about hospitality. And I'm not saying that no one, no other venue in the area doesn't have hospitality, but that was what you're talking about, the integral core. Like that is what it is. Like we want every single person who sets foot on our property to feel welcome and loved and and to be that space for somebody and to provide a wonderful experience, no matter, you know, what their budget is or or whatnot for it. And and I totally get what you're saying that I feel like when you're doing it to as a, as a competition side, or you're constantly looking at what the next person's doing because you feel like you are, your whole goal is just because you want to do it better. Or you want to, you know, blow the competition out of the water. I do think you become really stagnant. Yeah. Well, you kind of lose focus. Yeah. Like you lose what, what your main purpose is. And you're always going to be second best. Mm-hmm. Right. right? Like it's always going to be someone better. Yeah. Well, the person you're copying is probably better. You have to have a beautiful venue in order to just be playing on the field, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so, and you have to have good customer service just to be in the event industry. Um, And so it it becomes a matter for me uh, as a researcher and as a strategist to figure out like, okay, if, if I know that you have to have a beautiful venue and you have one check and you have to have you know, decent customer service and, and be, you know, service and hospitality or, oriented check. What else above that baseline do you do that we can, that we can talk about and take ownership in the market that will put you above the fray, right? So, mm-hmm. so everybody has to have a beautiful venue, but do you have the most beautiful venue? And if you think that that is true, right, which I hope everybody does, um, <laughs> what makes it the most beautiful or mm-hmm. uh, to your point, Dana, when somebody said we can do it better, what is it and what is mm-hmm. better? And when you start to handle these concepts that you feel in your gut more precisely mm-hmm. and start writing down those words, that's when you can, you know, kind of be on the playing field, talking about your beautiful venue. Everybody has one talking about your customer service. Everybody should have that. Um, but you do it in a way that is uniquely you 
and you start to own those concepts. So like, if you're talking about like hospitality, what is it about your hospitality that's different than the hospitality of everybody in the event industry? Mm-hmm. And then you talk about that, you tell stories about that, you know, and, and you can even identify it. Like everybody in the in- event industry talks about ha- hospitality, but we believe hospitality is defined this way. Mm-hmm. And when we work with our guests, this is how we embody that. If this sounds like something that you are interested in, you know, check, uh, check out our website or DM us for pricing and availability. Mm-hmm. And if you do that consistently, instead of just being general and letting your audience figure it out and connect the dots, you will succeed and you will get over the plateau, but it takes a little bit of, you know, inner work and checking in with your core and, and then, and then coming up with some words, words matter, folks, words matter. (laughs) Yeah. I, but I, I, I think that it's like, it's, it's like this, uh, like I catch 22 almost in a lot of ways, because to be an entrepreneur, you have to believe deeply in what you're selling, right? And you you started this company or this business or you started this product because, because you felt like there was need for it in the industry or because you felt passionate about it. But at the same time, as if you're not like a natural extrovert or you aren't someone who has uh, has the experience of of selling or hyping yourself up, it's really hard to get over that hump of, Like I am like when you're talking about hospitality, like this is why my hospitality is better. This is, you know, what puts us, you know, above the rest and being able to almost like be your own hype girl in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but you have to do that because part of your business is you like, and that's a, that's a lesson that we learned, you know, early on is that it's no one can really sell your business more than you. Like no one believes in it more than you do. Right. And you, it's, there is some training available and you can find amazing employees. But at the end of the day, when you are selling your product, like you are the one that can sell it the most yeah. and the best. I do think so. And I love how you said that, you know, there's always some sort of inner work that needs to be involved when you start that kind of marketing campaign or you start talking about what sets you apart. You start talking about what makes your business tick. And I think that's so true. I've always say that about entrepreneurship, especially being in a partnership that is a lot of introspection that has to go into making it successful. And then being able to translate that into words that are meaningful to someone else, like a staff member or an employee or a client. I think is where the real magic happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like kind of where the marketing piece, you know, really gets moving. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I have been to a ton of conferences and I always go to the marketing um, talks because I find them to be very interesting. And honestly, marketing, like you, like there's sometimes I feel like I could have a grasp on it and then it like goes away very quickly. It's like, you know, a wisp in the air. Right. <laughs> and so I'm always curious. It's something that I'm curious about and I love to learn about. And, and I would love to hear like, do you think that your approach to marketing is different than other agencies? I have my own opinion about that, that based on talking to you and hearing other things, but I love to hear, like, do you feel like you are kind of creating a new wave of marketing? Oh gosh, I hope so. Yes. I think think it's super different. I fundamentally don't believe anybody's ideas, including my own. And so what makes me different is I'll, I'll take this 
this initial foundational core work where we're dreaming and scheming and thinking of our ideal client avatars and what makes us different and, and stuff like that. And then my real interest is how do we validate that in a real market with real human beings? And you can tell that I'm passionate because I'm like talking faster and more forceful now, but basically it's a good start. And I always start here with the ideal client avatar work and the um, and the you know unique selling proposition, but in reality, that is really just belly button gazing. Mm. And so, oftentimes, what I'll do is I'll take a business's initial, and this is where the integrity, like I I can't work well without that that core of here's who we want to serve, here's who, how we want to serve them, quote unquote, better. That's the start point. But then actually go out into the market and research your market and research your competition. And I will come back and tell you, here's what I see in the market. Here's what people are talking about when it comes to your brand and what I think you do particularly well. Here's what your competition does well. That's a, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Like Let your competition have their slice of pie. And then mm-hmm. here's the gap in the market where there's an intersection between you know, what your competition doesn't do well and their weakness, what you do well, and then what they do well and what you don't do well. And I find that that sweet spot. And then we develop, you know, core content pillars and a, a content plan based on that. And the, the fun thing about that, to answer your question, Dana, and this is very different, is I have found time and time again, once this research is done and some of this core work is done, it becomes really difficult for your competition to to effectively copy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can try and they can copy what you're doing, but because you've taken the t- time to really identify who you want to serve, how you serve them differently, and whether or not your ideas about them are in line with their ideas about them and their ideas about you, until you do that work, you 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 know you can't get to that place where you're going to come up with that that perfect mix of we know we do this great. Our clients agree with us. We own that concept in the market and then go forward with that. And I'll give you an example. I worked with a venue in uh, Georgia. In their space, they were one of the only outdoor venues that had like permanent structures like pavilions and things like that. So in the South, it rains a lot in the summer and especially in the afternoon. And so Mm -hmm. they could seamlessly move like a 250 person wedding from an outdoor garden ceremony into the pavilion within like a handful of minutes and not affect the beauty of the of the venue or the guest experience. And so that you know but that's a lot to talk about, right? So I went into the their market and did some market research for them and found that time and time again in their reviews in particular I I start with reviews of both the client and the client's competition, their reviews consistently talked about the gardens, not outdoor wedding ceremony space, the gardens. And what was particular about these particular gardens is they created that sense of space in terms of being in the South and Mm -hmm. acted as a jumping off point for their Southern hospitality. It was a classic Southern garden wedding. And so what we did was we took that that core of a garden wedding 
And we started to leverage that in the content. Now, did it check all of the venues boxes in terms of talking about a rain plan and outdoor ceremony space and Southern hospitality? Yes. But by going out into the market and researching what people were actually saying, the words coming out of their mouths when they talked about this venue, we landed on garden. And guess what? Nobody in that market had a quote unquote garden space. So anybody looking for an outdoor Southern garden wedding, there was only one venue at that point. One, not, And it wasn't that they didn't have the garden before. They just didn't talk about it in a way that their market was demanding that they talk about it. And so that's, instead of just like being the marketer that says, you have to have a feed that looks like this and you have to be on TikTok and you have to do behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, fine. But that's all like vehicles for the message. Like you still haven't talked to me about your message and how to find your message and how to find a message that works for your market and your competition has a hard time copying. If you do have copycats, and I I, I love doing this in a very like community or competition way because I think it makes us all better. But look at your competition and see if they have any negative reviews and where they get dinged and see if you do that well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also look to see if there are things that people talk about you that they can't talk about the competition. So I had a, um, I have a, I had a, uh, a entertainment group in New York city, very tough market live band. And, you know, they were trying to figure out like, how are we different from these three? Cause the competition was really tight and they were competing over price and through looking through the reviews, I realized because these people were actual like professional musicians, like they taught at like NYU, like they were high level musicians, two things. One, they attracted other professional musicians that would play their musical instruments. They would like bring their trumpet and like do some sort of improv stuff on stage at the wedding with the band. And also they could learn any freaking song within, Mm -hmm. you know, however, and this was really important because they were attracting all of these music snobs. And so we really like leveraged that to the hilt. We started storytelling around the fact that they could learn in every song and showcasing new songs that they were learning and showcasing their musician clients. And that was something that in New York city, which is a tight live band market, literally none of their competition could copy. And so if you are having copycats or you do think that you're in a tight market and you do think that, you know, you, your clients that are inquiring are having a hard time distinguishing how awesome you are, even though you know how awesome you are uh, (laughs) from your competition, start coming through those reviews on your competitor side and your reviews and just find that one thing that, that they they can't effectively talk about, or even if they can, if they're not being reviewed in that way, and you start talking about it, people are going to look at those reviews anyway and be like, oh, you know, this band said that they could learn any song. And when I read the reviews, all the reviews validate that I'm going to go with this Mm -hmm. band, even if the other band could learn any song. It's not in the reviews. They're not talking about it. Does not matter. Mm. Well, we would love to kind of end on a high note here and here what has been one of the most rewarding parts of starting mountainside media 
It is my absolute mission. And I, I feel like I'm finally over the hump with this. It is my mission to make research and data accessible to creative right-brained people. And so I feel like I'm finally getting to a space when I talk to my clients and I build out their dashboards, which are graphical and intuitive. And they start to like talk to me about what they're seeing in their data and coming up with their own ideas. Um, I I just get lit up because now they have Mm -hmm. like power and agency over their own data and their own destiny as a business. And I just, I've loved that journey because I feel like a lot of people who are into math and data and are on the nerdy side of things, creatives think that they're just so different from those people and that there's this false separation um, between people who understand numbers and data and people who just want to play with pretty things. And I find the most satisfying part of my job is being able to bridge that gap between the two types of folks. I love that. I love that. I know. And I it has been so wonderful chatting with you. And I think no matter like I hope people can hear it through this podcast. And then also like if you've ever heard you in person, you could just tell you are so passionate yeah. about what you do. Like you have so much zest and energy for it. And knowledge yeah. surrounding it. Oh, I know. Yeah. But so refreshing. So thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks everyone for gathering us a day to talk about the hustle. For episode with Christy, we are drinking a Campari and soda. We hope you get the chance to make it this week and cheers to being true to your core values. To learn more and connect with Christy, you can check out her business on Instagram at mtnsidemediaco. You can visit the website mountainsidemedia.com. And to learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford NC, and at Hustle and Gather. If you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. And if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of Your Fluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.